0: Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout joined as always by Boxing Hall of Famer, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, busy weekend for you this weekend. Would you go to sleep at like five o'clock in the morning Sunday?
1: Four (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. Four o'clock. I mean, we got we got to be there for our, our people, right? We, we can't let them down.
0: I know we talk about this every week, but Jesus, does the main event have to start at 1 a.m. Eastern? I mean, seriously, like I fell asleep in the middle of the Volkanovsky fight. I had to wake up and watch it back. I, I like, I'm like, i too old, man. I can't stay up this late. I know I sound like a crybaby, but why does it have to start this late? The Super Bowl doesn't start at 1 a.m. Every week, it's the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the The good and the bad news, the bad news, we were up late. And the good news is one of the last ones I watched was Garcia. That put me back to sleep, you know. We'll get to that with full details. I know the fans are drooling, drooling (laughs) uh, to hear us cover that one. But, yeah, there was a lot of fights. I stayed up. I had to watch them on tape, the late ones, because they're they're on at the same time, obviously, uh, some of them. So I I watched a uh, few of the boxing matches late. I don't want to hear anything from the boxing fans griping. Oh, you watch the boxing late, <laughs> and you you know <laughs> you watch the UFC live. Yeah, always honest with you guys. Yeah, I did. Um, not because I love boxing or I hate boxing now or love it less um, uh, that I do. Uh, and I favor it over UFC. Uh, I've been straight with this, and Ken has too, and I've been consistent with this. UFC gives better fights, uh, on the whole. You know, you 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 see a UFC fight, you know, for the most part, you can count on competitive fights. And boy, oh boy, did you get one. We'll <laughs> get to it later, but man, talk about being tested. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, was Shamayev tested. But uh listen it turned out that there was one good one uh it sure wasn't uh it sure wasn't a garcia one but uh there was a good boxing match and i did watch it at uh two o'clock in the morning but uh it's okay we got it we got it all watched we did everything we need to do to be able to report back to you people and we're ready to do that. Before we do it, I just want to make sure all systems are go with you for the Boston Marathon coming up Monday. You ready to go?
0: Ready. All yep. right. I feel real confident.
1: All right. Great. You look good. You're, you you got Thank all the you. miles in that you need to get in and everything else?
0: Yeah. I have no excuses. I've done everything perfectly.
1: You got the I athletic greens? I have done greens. more. You got the athletic every greens day. Re- ready to <laughs> travel to Boston with you?
0: That goes without saying. All I don't right. go anywhere without Athletic Greens.
1: All right, good. Well, good luck. I mean, we'll be talking, obviously, but we won't be talking before the race on, on camera. So uh, good luck with that. Bring oh, yeah, on. that's Bring right. On. That's
0: right. We'll be re- we'll be recording Thursday in New York. We're going to do some fight plans for you guys. But, yeah, the next time we talk, we'll be right after the race on Monday. So, uh, yeah, thank you. You're right. We won't talk before then uh, uh, with the fans anyway.
1: And – um. I think we got some well everything we do we try to make it special but i think we got a nice special interview coming up with jake paul uh for the fans that'll be coming up this week too
0: yep that's right yeah yeah we got some good stuff
1: yeah i just want to put it out there so the fans can look forward to it but i i this weekend's fights that we're going to report on now they were they were really good i mean it was Obviously, there's a few sleepers in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need summer necks, uh when you, <laughs> when you watch some of these boxing matches. Some of them. Some of them. Uh, but go ahead. I, I give it to you can take it from Yeah, you, from we're here.
0: we're going to cover the UFC for us but but I forgot to mention that the Saturday morning part of the reason of being up till 1 put me to sleep is we were up at 7 to watch uh, Triple G get down, get back to action in Japan and we'll come back to that but I, like, I love Triple G. I love his fighting. But um, let's start out with the UFC and the fight that maybe might have stolen the show. I mean, according to Dana, there was more hype around Shamayev Burns than there was for the main event, which is, you know, our friend Alex Volkanovsky was in action and looked awesome. But... um To your point, Shamayev got tested and guess what? As soon as they start the press conference, what does Dana White point out? He points out that Teddy Atlas was tweeting about Shamayev and that was one of the highlights of the fight. Your tweeting was awesome on Saturday and it was noticed. I saw multiple postings on the UFC's broadcast of your tweets, it was excellent. You've like injected yourself into the MMA community and they've embraced you and I love to see it. The voice of MMA is here to stay and uh, I think that eventually there'll be using that moniker on all the broadcasts but nevertheless Shemaev, to your point got tested and man he got tested by one of the best to do it Gilbert Burns has fought for the title he lost to the best man in the world Kamaru Usman so to see Shemayev in there with a guy who's been in with the best Shemayev didn't disappoint he got tested every step of the way and he won a razor thin split decision I I I don't think anyone would have had a problem if that decision went either way it, for, for me. And um, have got the split decision win, and he acknowledged that, yeah, he got tested. He was busted up after the fight, just like Burns was. But I'm dying to hear what you thought of this one.
1: Yeah, proof once again that, as I've always told my children, especially my son, but my daughter and my son, I've always said to them as they're growing up and they're facing different challenges, there are no supermen. There, there aren't. I mean, you know, you can put on certain TV channels to see them. I get it, but in real life, n- nobody's got an S on their chest. Nobody. It's just a matter of where is their kryptonite, you know, and when will they, when will they meet up with their kryptonite uh, to show they're human? But up to this point. It didn't look like Shamiyev was human. I mean, he looked like a mystical figure, Ken. You know, and, and he was taking on those proportions, you know, which is great. I mean, it's it's great promotion, and it's great anticipation. It's great for the sport. It's great for the fans. But he was... Taking on those kind of kind of like Mike Tyson on his way up, like this monster. He's different. He's not human. You can't beat him. You know, he's unbeatable. Uh he's a force of nature. Uh that's what it was. The thinking of was with Shemayev uh coming up. And this reminded me, the first thing it reminded me of when when it got, you know, when he got tested in the fight was that movie Predator you know I love to parallel the movies out there with life when when it's appropriate and boy this one was appropriate Ken you'll love this one where in the Predator the first one where Arnold Schwarzenegger where they're up against this creature from outer space that you know is it's just like they think you can't it's killing them all it's killing them one by one his group of of you know army people of you know trained uh, trained combat people, and it feels to them like there's nothing they can do. That you know this is an unnatural force uh, creature, and you you know you what can you do? It's just picking them off. One by one, eliminating them. And then all of a sudden, there's this scene where they shoot at him. He escapes through the trees, you know, and he's invisible because he knows how to put on that, you know, that shield that makes him blend in uh, with the environment so you can't see him. But when they start tracking him down, they see a green fluid on the leaves. His blood. And and Schwarzenegger looks at the his guys and says, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." (laughs) And that you know that was their first hope that they had a chance that they could defeat this thing. And that's kind of that kind of sums up this Shamayev Burns fight. When Burns hurt him, he bled, and it's like, oh, if he could bleed we could beat him and all of a sudden he was human all of a sudden yeah yeah he he's, he's very good but he's not from another planet he can be beaten like anybody when you eventually get to the right guy and Burns sure as hell was the right guy to test this guy <laughs> and he passed he passed and you know some people are going to say oh well maybe now he's not as good yeah he was always as good Matter of fact, I think he's going to be better now.
0: I was going to say to you, I think I think he gets better now, recognizing he had, had, had not really been tested. Now he's been tested by a guy who challenged for the title, and he was tested. He was he was rocked. I mean, it, that was as tough a fight as you could be in without losing. It was awesome. So to your point, I think he only gets better.
1: No, I, I think so, Ken. I've seen it in fighters. I've seen it with a great fighter, Sugar Ray Leonard, when he fought Duran, and he lost. He didn't win. He lost. He got tested for the first time in that fight, his great talent, and he got better. If it wasn't for that fight, I don't know if he would have beat Tommy Hearns after that when he fought the first time. I don't. That prepared him for that. I think the same thing is going to happen with Shemayev, that he's going to get better and he's going to prepare, whether it's Usman coming down the road, whatever it is, but it's going to prepare him for what is in his future. That's going to be just as tough, if not tougher. It's going to develop him and mature him uh, and propel him to that, next, to that next place that's in his future. So a lot of people, the mistake was off now. You know, he is human. I get it. But look at how good he is. Look at what he overcame. Look at what he got taken to that place where people never know how they're going to behave till they're there. And he got taken to that place where it's dark. It's a cave. And he went deep into that cave and he found a way out. Not only found a way out, he came out with a lantern with light emanating where he could go into other dark places now. And again, you don't know till you get the answers. You don't know till the questions are asked. And the questions were asked for the first time in his career that we've seen. And he had the answers. He, at the he he, again, he went into that dark place that only special people can go into and are willing to go into and come out of it in a way that he did. Come out of it knowing where you are. Knowing now that you can rely on yourself. Well, you didn't really... You thought you knew, but now it's been cemented. It's been validated. Yeah. Yeah, you can depend on yourself. Yeah. You you can be that monster you want to be. And you know, he always projected that ultimate confidence, that supreme confidence. That saved him. Just like it made Burns. Burns was tremendous. Burns needs all the accolades with it. All the accolades with it. You know... Uh, it came down to that last round. It was even going into the third round. It came down to that last round. And you, again, you just don't know till you know. And now he, he showed the thing that pulled him out of, we know about his great talent, uh, his physical talent, but we didn't know for sure about the mental side of it. We know for sure now. We thought we know, but we do know for sure that he is that guy, just like Burns is, but he is that guy. He is that guy he wants to project that he is, that nothing can beat him, you know, that ultimate confidence, you know, almost braggadocious where, you know, he would talk and say, bring me the next guy, bring me the next guy, you know, and that he believes. And that's the important thing here that he believes that nobody can beat him. He believes that when he gets taken to that bad place, he'll find what he needs to find. He'll find, he'll find a way. He'll find a way. That's what the special ones do. He'll find a way. I I had a fighter who's undefeated. I'm not going to mention his name right now, but he's undefeated. He called me up a couple... Uh, I guess you know about it too, Ken. And he called me up, uh, I guess it was... I don't know, time goes so fast. Maybe it was about a year ago. Maybe it was a little over a year. Maybe it was a year and a half. So, and he was asking me, he was picking my brain. Nice, nice kid, you know. And he's picking my brain, and again, he's one of these kids that are coming up. And he said to me, Teddy, and he asked me about different situations, like, what do you do in this situation from a technical standpoint? Okay, you faint, you step to the side. You know, whatever the technical appropriate answer was, I would give it to him or try to give it to him. And then he says, what if, and it was the right question. He goes, and it goes to show you how young fighters are thinking because they know that day's coming. They know that day's coming and they want help. They want help. Maybe privately they'll tell you, not publicly. They don't want to blow the cover. They, you know what I mean, but but but, but privately, they they're gonna ask you. They want to know. So he felt he could ask. So he said, "What if all of those things don't work? Like, what if one day you're in a situation where you're prepared and everything, you did everything right, but all of a sudden it's just not working, and you you need something else? What do you do then, Teddy?" I said that's when you find a way. <laughs> I said that's when the special ones find a way. You just you find a way. And 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 the special ones do it. And and he he immediately to his credit he said that's it. That's it. That's the answer. You find a way. I said yes. And that's exactly what Shamayev did. He found a way. And um it was really fun to watch because it validates everything that I know, or that I think I know, that the special ones have that ability to find a way, that belief, that supreme confidence, that, that will, that, that, that mantra, conquer or be conquered. I won't be conquered. I will not be conquered. Just like Volkanovsky. I will not be put to sleep. I will not be submitted. I will find a way. And, and it's, it's, it never becomes old to see it. It never becomes old for me to see it. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary capacity of the human spirit. It is. It is. It is. It, it it really is, and it's a reminder. It's a teaching element. It's a teaching moment. And I keep saying this to us, to all of us, to everyone out there. That and that's why I bring it to the forefront, or I try to. That it doesn't just get missed as just a good athlete. You know, oh, he was just a uh, that he was just born. No, he developed these skills. He developed these skills. He mandated these skills. He made himself this way. For preparation of the day that was going to come. And that's why I always give these guys credit as teachers because they teach us we can go further. You can go further. You know, just like the guys <laughs> many years ago when they went across those oceans and, and some of them just decided, no, I could go further. No, no, you might fall off the. No. I could go further, I could go further, and that's what these guys are. they're explorers, but they're teachers, they're explorers to new places, but they're also teachers to us, all of us, yeah, yeah, you think you went to your max no no there's 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 some more there there's some more there uh i it was again, I just I can't say enough great things about the two of them. And I think Shamayev only gets better as I already explained. And as I tried to put precedents out there where other people have improved, uh, like, like Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, when they, when they go through those experiences with those top fighters where they'd never had to go to those places before. Um, he, he was just terrific. Uh, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see the progress from this fight, the the effect of this fight on him. That that's what I can't wait for now. I'm I'm like the guy in a, uh, in a you know Broadway play. I'm waiting for the next act. You know what I mean. I'm waiting <laughs> for the curtain to come yeah. up again. I want to see the next act now. Where, yeah. uh, how much better can this guy get? You know, where does he go from here?
0: The uh, Did you see too, Dana White said he was, bet, that Gilbert Burns would be pay his, uh, not just his show money, but he'd get his win money as well for for showing up and putting on the performance he put on because let's not forget Gilbert Burns is the number two ranked contender waiting for a title shot. He could have easily just said, I'm not going to fight again until I get a title shot. To go for a number two guy to say, I'll fight a number 11 guy. That's what like real, that's what a real, that's a special character that's like yeah i'm not gonna wait around for it that's if you want me to fight the number 11 guy cool let's do it assuming you know if he does right then they're gonna do right that's by him. a
1: real competitor ken yeah you you did good job right there again ken bringing that up that's a real competitor that's a guy that uh, it's just about facing the best he's the best right now or he's the guy that's there you're challenging me with him i'll meet the challenge he's the guy you're saying is the 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 next best and he's yeah i won't sit around and posture and and wait for my spot this is what i do i fight and what do i fight i fight the best and why do i do it so i can continue getting better because this is what i do this is what i do and and that attitude we wish was in everyone and people say it's in them they do. They say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's, that's my attitude. But it's not always. And until you see it. And you know, that old saying put your money where your mouth is. Burns did that. <laughs> You know, he, he showed that, that.
0: that I'm glad they paid him, too, so that other guys can see that example of, like, listen, sometimes you got to take a leap of faith, and, you know, sometimes you get burned on the financial side, but it's nice to see them come through with the dough for him. And I'm sure, I think this is one of those rare instances where his stock actually went up with a loss. Yeah, He's number two. So He's too. already, what's next? He's going to get a title shot. He's already lost to Usman pretty convincingly. So, I mean, was he, was he going to get that next year? Probably not. Instead, he gets a fight gets paid to win bonus, even though he didn't win, and he's probably going to get another big fight. I would hope they'd give him a soft touch next, but knowing the UFC, they'll make him fight a lion next.
1: Oh, I look at it where he's in that position, yeah. He's the gatekeeper. But yep. I look at it like he did what he was supposed to do. I give him all the yep. credit in the world, but you're a fighter, you know, you you fight who, who's there to fight. Uh, it's a challenge to you. Uh, you want to be the best. Uh, he he's the he's the next superstar coming up. Everybody said right, Shumaya, Uh They're giving you that chance. This is what you do. This is what. Now listen, there's a there is a a line there where if you're set to fight for X amount of millions of dollars and you earned your way to get to say number one to to get to that and you're waiting a period a little period of time to get that title fight. Uh, it's you earned the right to get it you know there yep. is a business acumen that comes in like yeah you you <laughs> you should wait and get this title fight you earned it you got the number one uh you shouldn't take a tune-up that's for sure uh right now you know because those tune-ups could go crooked in a hurry uh <laughs> and they have we have a history of that in boxing a history of guys you know uh, losing now millions Andy Ruiz. yeah oh my god losing millions and millions of dollars you know uh when when they took a tune-up uh when they instead of you know getting to the to the one that they were in line to get to but it's different when you're you're not you're not guaranteed anything you're not in that position and you're still you're still forming as a fight even though as experienced as burns is and again that's that's what you do you fight so if a fight is presented to you especially a challenge like that you fight Uh, uh, other than what i just said other than you know being in that position where it it makes complete logical sense uh it's almost illogical to take any other fight than wait for the title fight when you're in that position yeah you earned it uh you're not gonna get it again maybe uh it's it's the right thing and the smart thing to do but again burns showed you that he understands what he does for a living he fights and when there's a fight presented to him he goes and fights so uh he's the kind of guy like the old-time trainers used to tell me about the old-time fighters you know uh, you got he they would knock the guys today they're not all like that today but I'm being honest I remember some of the old-time uh, managers and trainers the, the guys that really knew the sport they would uh they would say uh oh, back in the day you had so many good fighters you you made a phone call the only thing they asked was, okay, uh, where and when? They didn't care who. <laughs> they, uh, you know, where when, where? Oh, three weeks? Uh, Sunnyside Arena? Gotcha. All right. Uh, <laughs> y- y- you know, and oh, by the way, who am I fighting? Uh, what am I getting? <laughs> because that, that, that's that's what came first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to fight. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I need. Yeah, I'm in. You know, and I'm not saying, look, you're not supposed to have a brain in your head. I'm not saying that. Um, but that attitude, you are supposed to have that attitude. And then, of course, the guy telling me, this old famous guy, then he said, today? Today? Forget it. He said, you know, he's he just, you know, he's being, you know, he just, <laughs> he says, today? You call a guy up, he says, um, how much? How much first? Okay. How much? Uh, uh, who? Uh what's the guy's record? Wait, let me check him out. Hold on. Let me look (laughs) let me check the guy out. Let me let me make some phone call (laughs) Let me no let me make some phone calls. Let me check my horoscope because I'm not sure if that part of the month is really good for for Libra. I'm not I, I don't think it's a Libra month. I'm I'm I don't know i gotta check that one might be more towards second Sagitt- uh i don't even know the name of the uh, i was gonna say second Sagitt- what is it how do you pronounce that say Sag- sagittarius Sag- sagittarius might, might be more <laughs> like sagittarius it. i believe i think it's sagittarius <laughs> it is now
0: that, that's it for Shamayev. Uh, great fight for him. Great win. Let's talk about Al Jermaine. Sterling gets his redemption, even though he was coming off the win. And I've got, I've got some thoughts on this. He, he gets the win over Petra Jan. I feel like Aljamain Sterling got the worst rap ever. And I get it. I get why people are upset, right? Petra Jan, for those who don't know, hit him with a blatant illegal knee in the first fight. In a fight that Jan was beating the brakes off him. I mean, he really had him on the ropes. He was punishing him. Uh, Aljo went out hard early in that first fight and emptied the tank. And he couldn't get him out of there. And Petra Jan just started, like, the beating was just getting progressively worse. He catches him with the knee. I hate I hate the whole thing because it puts Sterling in the in the position of having to decide if he can go on like he's already getting beat up now he's got probably a concussion from a, a knee it's it, it 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 put him in a very bad position so he he says he can't go he gets the title because of the disqualification he gets dragged all over the internet he doesn't really handle it the best way he basically be is forced into being like the to use a wrestling term to being the heel people turn on him quickly coming into that fight he was on a five fight winning streak and i thought he couldn't be Feet. and going up against Jan I thought okay Sterling's gonna give it to him and in the first round I thought maybe he would he was better and it just it just the whole thing like I feel like his it, Sterling's reputation just got smashed in this in this um in that first fight so fast forward 14 months later he has neck surgery I think he was really injured and uh, had some serious ailments going into the fight whatever no one cares about the excuses you know it and but at the end of the day He's basically the bad guy. They're booing him in Jacksonville and rooting and screaming and cheering for the Russian fighter. And I, I just felt bad for Sterling. It was a horrible position. Like I said, I don't think he handled everything the right way. But I still like Aljamain Sterling. He's a Long Island guy. He's with Matt Serra and Ray Longo, two of the like classiest guys in the sport. And like I said, I think it was I think it was like a little misplaced the the, the criticism of Sterling. Nevertheless. He comes back and he gets the redemption. He gets another razor-thin decision, split decision win for Aljamain Sterling. Very emotional after the fight. I was, I couldn't have been happier for him. And to Jan's credit, he was like, "Okay, onward and upward. I'll be back. It is what it is. I thought I won the fight, but that's the breaks. Next. So, um, how'd you like that one? What'd you think?
1: That's a listen. That's a good way to to set it up because I always say that one of the most powerful things emotions elements x factors it becomes an x factor that you can have coming into a fight is redemption and and you could see it that he was more determined than ever to prove himself and he and for the reason you just laid out there real reasons you know to prove and listen i always say both sides of the coin there have been guys that have been in that position, and they said, "No, I'm not taking the title." There have been Anthony Smith. Yeah, Anthony Smith. I was going to say him. Anthony Smith is right there, you know, the, uh, the Lionheart, and um, and and Gennaro Hernandez uh, in in boxing. Uh, there's other ones too, but Janero Hernandez yeah. uh, years ago. Uh, he was a f- champion. He was fighting. He was. I'm trying to remember. Great fighter um they call him the professor from africa um you've had some great fighters from that area in africa and he was he was one of them um what the heck was his name you could look it up on your computer i don't do computers i don't do computers um what the heck is his name a uh, great fighter uh he 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 was he was the great salvador sanchez's Last opponent before Sanchez wound up getting killed in a car accident, uh, the great Mexican fighter, um, uh, great fighter Salvador Sanchez's last fight uh, before he before he passed away way too early. Azuma Nelson. Yeah, of course, Azuma Nelson. So Azuma Nelson, I'm getting old, Ken. I'm I'm getting old, kid. Getting, getting a little old. Um, so he's fighting Azuma Nelson and... From Ghana. Yeah, from Ghana. Ghana had some unbelievable champions from there. Uh, Azuma Nelson's the best known one. They had Quarte, They they had a few of them. I Quarte, yeah. Uh, yeah. So now, the anyway, in the, in the fight, he gets, I believe what happens, he gets hit after the bell. And he, I think that's what happens. You'll probably find it as I'm talking about it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Azuma Nelson did something illegal. I think it was after the bell, whatever. And I'm not knocking Azuma Nelson because he was a great fighter. But he goes, he catches him in a you know, way that is deemed illegal. And Hernandez is given the option. Either you can take the title right now, just take the title We'll disqualify Zuma Nelson. You're the champion. Or we'll give you time to rest and you can fight again. You know, you can fight. So he, he said, no, I'm not winning the title that way. Uh, I'll take the, the rest and I'll finish the fight. And he won the title that way. So I understand. I understand both sides of it. I do. But I also understand that Sterling was put in a very difficult situation. Because, you know, he was hurt. He was hurt by that blow. And, um, you know, and and it was an illegal blow. So he gets the title. It really, it's a paper title. It means nothing. He knew that it meant nothing. See, that's the thing about, you know, what he had going for him. He knew it was a hollow title. He knew that the only way he could make it a real title was to go in there fight the guy again and beat the guy and he did and give him give him all the credit give him all the credit in the world for doing that I mean and and you could see that extra if you will that extra determination you know on his just in his demeanor you, you could see it and and listen. The first fight helped him in, in, in the action that, I'll tell you how it helped him. Because he knew what to stay away from. He knew what to be more cognizant of. He knew what to be more aware. And he knew he had to have his environment. He had to have, his, as I always say, his geography. And that geography was on the mat. He knew it. He knew it. He knew that, so he got his geography. He was determined to get it. He got it. Uh, the first round was very interesting. It turned out to be a very important round because of the scores. Um, I, because uh, it, a, a lot of people didn't know who won. Now, I thought that Jan won that first round. I'll tell you why. W- wasn't anything in the round that really was extraordinary, obviously. There was very little done. Uh, You could say there was posturing. But what really was happening on one side, Jan was pushing it, you know, forward, uh, being aggressive, being a boss, if you will, looking, having the guns loaded, his hands, looking to see if maybe he could push him backwards, catch him something. He was looking. But nothing, again, nothing definitive definitive happened. Nothing. Really. And then Jan, on the other hand, was using his legs purveying the cage l- surveying looking around looking around keep keep making sure he survived uh anything bad uh not not giving him anything and moving around the, the cage looking for an opportunity looking for the right place, like taking pictures and then you're gonna look at those pictures, kinda of like they do in the NFL. They take pictures and then you go sit on the benches, the quarterback, and you see, Oh, that defensive back wasn't ah, oh, he was back too far. Ah I could get something underneath. Yeah. You know, or the army taking aerial pictures. Okay. We see behind their lines where there's a weakness. We could bomb. We could attack. We could move our tanks in to those areas. And to me, that's what Jan was doing. He was moving around. He was taking pictures, seeing where he could get. And then he thought he saw something. The second round. Now, again, I thought Jan won. The f- uh, Sterling is the one who moved around, took pictures, not Jan. Now, I I thought that Jan won the first round because just there wasn't much done, but you got to find something. And he was—he had ring generalship. He was controlling the ring a little bit, being a little aggressive. So I, I gave it to him because of that. And the second round, you had Sterling, again, waiting for a mistake. He needed a mistake so he could get cleanly in to where he wanted to get. Shoot in and get his legs and get him on the mat. And all of a sudden, it came. Maybe those pictures helped him. But it came. All of a sudden, Jan made a mistake. Bang! Sterling was in. He was on the floor with him. And he kept him there. He dominated him. See, this is where it gets tricky, too. Maybe that was a 10-8 round. I don't know. I don't know. But he dominated him. And he made him use a lot of the gas in his tank to survive. He being Jan. And he just, he kept he had him. him in
0: that, he had him in that body triangle on his back where he's like suffocating him with his legs and squeezing, and Jan had no answer for it. And that's like Al bread and butter is taking the back and getting that body lock. So congratulations or credit to um, Jan for being able to survive having that animal on your back going for a choke for like four whole minutes, it seemed like, it two rounds a, in a row.
1: And it, and it used up a lot of his petrol. And But to his credit, as you said... So he loses that, he, he goes on. He loses that round and he gets back. The second round, again, Sterling gets his environment, gets his geography where he's better suited on the floor, on the mat, where he's keeping Jan out of the striking game, out of his strengths, and he, again, controls that round. So there's no doubt that it's right now, I think, two to one for Sterling. Definitely, you know, I, I two to one. But then, to his credit, as you just said, Jan, even after using all that gasoline, he comes back, and I think mm-hmm. he wins the fourth. And then it's up yep. to the it's up to the fifth. And the fifth was close. There's no doubt about it. Very. It was yep. it was close. I thought he won it. He squeaked it out. So I thought. Jan had the win, as I just described it, 3-2. to two. But I don't dispute. I don't have an argument. I have no problem with Sterling getting it. A, it was that close. And B, maybe the second round. I didn't look at the scores, Ken. You, you could tell me. I, I wonder if one of those judges made it a 10-8 in the second round. I was curious of that, if they did. Because that would, you know, that would for me that would explain it a little yeah. bit.
0: I'm checking now. I don't think that there was a 10-8 round. I think two of the judges just had one of those, like one three, one four, and five. Because second and second and um, second and third round were clearly all um, Aljamain. He held him down. I'm looking for the scorecards. Yeah, of
1: course, that's what I said.
0: All right, the uh, the judges um, Sal Diamato had it uh 48 47 for Sterling. He gave Sterling one, two and three. Yeah, so the judges and and the third judge had uh 48 47. so so the the the, the, the two judges that had it for Sterling, 48 47 all gave Sterling one, two and three, and they gave Jan, and all the judges gave Jan four and five. So one judge, one judge had it like you for for Jan in the first round, but the other two had first round for um Now listen, that's, for, that's uh, I standing. get it.
1: There's a subjective part to this. I uh, the judging, I like the criterion in in boxing and MMA uh, to be just a little more clearer, a little bit more stringent. I guess is the word. But uh, look, the only thing I add to it, I have no problem as i said already with sterling getting i thought that in finishing up my analysis i would say that and they should look at this on tape that jan missed his opportunities i thought in the fifth round when sterling it was obvious he was shooting for his legs and he was giving it away a little bit. Maybe he was getting a little tired. He, he worked awful hard. And he was starting to lean a little bit, Ken. He was starting to, you know, telegraph the shoot. And I just thought that that was a perfect opportunity that Jan missed to counter him. To counter him with an uppercut. To catch him anything. A straight, you know, right hand or an uppercut, whatever. But to counter him as he was vulnerable in that position shooting forward. And and he missed his, I thought he missed his opportunity for that. And you know what it made me think I see a lot of guys in the MMA that and UFC of course we're talking about that they missed that opportunity. And I would think they'd be more prepared for that. The only one who I saw, because when guys are going, when their thing is to get you on the mat, you know what they're doing. You know, I mean, Masvidal uh, did an unbelievable job with it against askrin. He knew he was going to go for it, but instead of a punch, he hit him with a knee. And, and But he, he planned it. He knew he was smart. He knew that he was going to get that, and he got it. And he could get it. He could set it up to get it. And he, got, he was prepared, and to his credit, he capitalized on it. I I see a lot of guys in the MMA, their, their strength is to get on the floor, on the mat, so they're going to shoot, and the other guy doesn't take advantage, where well, I think he should, to try to time him as he's going to lean a little bit to grab his legs, time him with an uppercut. The only one I ever saw do it was Lewis.
0: Yeah, yep, uh, Derek Lewis. Yeah.
1: yeah, he, the big puncher, he... I remember he timed if my memory's correct, he timed Blades, I believe, with an uppercut and it was a devastating knockout. And I think it was a come from behind knockout, actually. But Blades is, you know, felt he was better, I guess, on a mat, where he had a advantage there. Uh so he went to he went to take him to the mat rather than stand up and strike. And as he did, again, Lewis I think that's what saved to fight for him. Timed him with an uppercut and just put him to sleep. Uh, I don't know if, if we have that there. If you could look at it, but that just to verify that for me. But that's what I remember. I know Lewis knocked somebody out with an uppercut in that kind of situation. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Am I saying his name? right? blades. Uh, yeah, Curtis Blades. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, pretty sure yeah.
0: that's the one, but we could probably find it after the fact and have, yeah, it, uh, maybe put, later have on. it put the clip up. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: we'll get the clip up. Rob, Rob will get the clip up for us. Um, but that was, I just got it from our great producer. He said, I was right. It's good to be right. It's good to be right. <laughs> nice to be right, Ken, um, every once in a while. Uh, sometimes when you live in a household with a lot of family, a lot of people, and you're blessed. You're very blessed. Uh, you you're not right a lot. You're not right. You're very blessed. <laughs> you're very blessed with the love of your daughter and your you know your, your wife and your your grandchildren and your son-in-law and everybody there. But you're not you're not always right a lot. But it's good to be on the right side, as my friend Mike Kenny would say. Uh, it's good to be on the right side. So. That was that was a that was a tightly contested really tightly contested match. Really was.
0: Yeah, it was an excellent excellent fight. I mean all the fights were excellent. And that brings us to the main event. Our friend from down under, Alex volkanovsky man did he put it on the korean zombie and the zombie is a perfect name for the uh, korean zombie because he just kept walking forward taking punishment taking punishment and this was an example i i i I, I tweeted out they should give herb dean a, a bonus because you know, the refs, they have a thankless job. If they do a great job, no one even knows they were there. If they do a bad job, they steal the show. Everyone knows who they were. But in this case, I thought that Herb Dean was a perfect stoppage, and you don't really see it that much in the U- in, in MMA, not as much as in boxing, I don't think. More so when the uh, prospect's coming up, it's, it, the, the ref is quick to jump in there when you got when you've got a prospect beating up an opponent. But when you have two title contenders, they tend to let that go a little bit longer because both guys are very competent. They know what they're doing. They're in there, but man, Herb Dean stepped in right at the right time because that zombie wouldn't have stopped. They, Volkanovsky would have had to kill him, and um, he almost did. Alex looked incredible. I, I'm happy for him. He looked so good. Uh, Zombie just, it, it, was, it was levels better. I don't think if they fought 10 times, he'd beat him 10 times. Um, how'd, you, how'd you like the way Alex looked in that one?
1: Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> As we like to say over here in Brooklyn and Staten Island. Forgot about it. <laughs> Listen, Ken, that was a clinic. He put on a yeah. clinic. We know how tough Volkanovski is. Obviously he's a zombie too. But we know how tough uh the the zombie I say he's he's one of those guys that's too game for his own good. Because yep. he he's the guy that does have to have a corner, does have to have somebody looking out for him, a referee, whatever, because he will not stop. He will he will not look out for himself because he he's and we got a lot of them in the UFC, yeah, and in boxing. But they're the that's the kind of guys they are uh, those those real gladiators those real warriors those real samurai they 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 ain't looking out for themselves they ain't getting out they ain't pulling that you know that zip cord <laughs> you know what i mean they're they're, they're not they're, they're not doing that and um uh, thank god as you said rightfully so that the referee was there to do the right thing but the first thing I got to say is I text out before that tweeted out. I'm sorry. I text too, by the way. Um, I <laughs> tweeted out. And I, I want to thank uh, Ian. Uh, you say his last name. I always forget.
0: Ian, Ian Mackey.
1: Yeah, Ian Mackey. He's, he's just a good man. He's a brilliant man at what he does. I know that. He's one of those uh, really special people that have reached a special level of eliteness in what they do. Uh, and he's a friend of Rob's and um, Rob had to go to a wedding uh, you know which you know I was like "Ah, you really okay all right you know all right your friend friend had to get married on such a busy fight weekend come on uh, we can't work around this because he needs to understand so that (laughs) that you send my tweets out I write them I send them to you and you put them up all right we have a process right we uh, I mean we we got a we got a thing here so Ian stepped in which he uh uh Ian uh, am I pronouncing it Ian Ian has done before so Ian stepped in again I've thanked him before I thank him again uh you're the best uh you stepped in there for for Rob, and I appreciate both of you for what you guys do to get my tweets up. I said before the fight, zombie, the Korean zombie, has a lot of miles on his odometer. Just be, just be aware of that. Be aware of that. And then I also said, and Volkanovski's gonna take him on the highway. <laughs> he, he's, he's, <laughs> gonna, he's gonna see if he can, if he can bust his cylinder. And he busted a <laughs> cylinder. And, and it's that simple. Uh, the Korean zombie, is, he's given us so much pleasure. Uh, he's given the fight fans, to MMA fans, so much to cheer about, to enjoy, to see in, in, in fights. I, I think it's it, that time comes for everybody. I think that time has come to go out the door you know as a proud man that he's been because he he looked like a guy who's probably taken too much uh he's at that point now where on top of that he's very one dimensional uh you know uh he's just too easy to hit he's just too easy to hit at this point in his career you know, maybe he was before, but he can handle it better. And Volkanovski did a magnificent, magnificent job of what he should have done, counterpunching. He put a clinic of jabbing and counterpunching, because that's what that's what, you know, the doctor called for, so to speak, in this fight. Use your jab, the guy's right in front of you. He's taller than you, but he's right in front of you. You know, he, he doesn't move his head. Use the jab. And set traps, walk him into counters, and oh my goodness, that's what he did he He counted the heck out of him, he heard him, heard him several times, and then finally heard him where you know where the referee had to step in where he was gone, but just just a a, a clinic i mean calm, deliberate uh the mental side, the physical side. Knowing what he had in front of him, you know, Volkanowski, and the plan, the perfect plan of just what to do with this particular opponent. And then the execution, the consistency, the steadiness of that plan all night, never wavering off of that plan, staying calm and controlled, cool as a cucumber. This guy's got it all. This guy is one of the most well-rounded fighters in the UFC. He can do anything. Go to the mat, stand, anything. And and he's his own zombie. What do I mean by that? Well, he was a zombie in his last fight where he, <laughs> he, he, right? he was being put into that state of being a zombie. Um, and he just refused to be put in that state. He refused to be put in He found a way he was Houdini and, and, uh, and more. I mean he found a way to escape. you know when he was in that triangle, well the first hold, I think was the guillotine, then he was in the tri- yeah, then he was in the, the triangle um, and, and he escaped. he escaped both. just uh, extraordinary. So he's got the stuff we talk about, that special stuff when you go to those dark places, yeah, he's got the lights. He's got the lights when, when you go to those dark places. He's got the mental, the physical, the technical. He's got everything. And for me, he has to be considered. Ken, tell me if you, if you back me with this. Uh, he's got to have, he's got to be, you know, Boxer loves to talk about the pound-for-pound pound list. He's got to be on the pound-for-pound pound best list in the UFC, I would say, in the top three. I, I, I would say, do you, you agree with that? I, I would say... A
0: hundred percent.
1: Yeah, he's got to be. He's
0: got to be. I'm just trying to see who his one losses is to. Oh, he has a loss. I don't even think it was in the UFC. Corey Nelson. Yeah, Corey Nelson, it was his fourth fight. Since then, he's been on a and he's been a wrecking ball hang on let me see how many fights twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Twenty-two wins in a row 22 21 22 wins in a row that's insane and and you know what he was in wars with um he was in a war, obviously, with Ortega. We thought he was it out is. twice. But he's also he also had yeah. two wars yeah. in a row with Max Holloway. Both fights could have gone either way. This is the kind of guy, though, like you said, he, he can't be rattled. That Brian Ortega, when Brian Ortega didn't get that second triangle choke, which wasn't as dangerous in hindsight as that first mounted guillotine, you could just see the air go out of the balloon for Ortega, and it was just a one-way street after that of... Volkanovski, he's like, like you said, he's a zombie. Once he gets into the mindset, like you can't kill him. Literally, he was getting choked on that mounted guillotine. He just so, outlasted you need Ortega. Silk.
1: You need silver bullets. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> he outlasted Ortega. I watched it again the other day. Ortega, finally, his arms just burnt out and he let the choke go as, you know, um as Alex was on the ground, just bucking and kicking and trying anything possible to get out of there. But he was being like, you know, he told us on the show, he was, the lights started to flicker. He's like about to go out, but he just didn't give up, didn't give up. And he lasted just a second longer than Ortega lasted in trying to hold the choke. the guy's awesome. I mean, and he's like one of the classiest guys. Doesn't he remind you of a guy who like lives down the street from you who you're like, oh, uh, my car's busted or my roof caved in. Oh, call Alex for everything. He's like just a guy, he can do everything. He'll come and help you fight someone. He'll fix your car. He'll put a new roof on your house. He'll, pay, he'll join you in the rugby game to play the neighbors. He's, definitely,
1: he's just like... <laughs> definitely in a power shortage bring a generator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure <laughs> i see him on instagram he's cooking meat he's working around the house he's just like you know when we did the interview with him he's just like sitting indian style on his couch, like hey what's up guys he's just no, if there's ever blackout in your all.
1: neighborhood and the lights are starting <laughs> to go out just call him up he's got a generator he's, he's got a couple oh, such, of them. he's got like six of them i, I mean such got, a classy guy oh my god he was on our show people that didn't see that uh interview you should go see it it was it was good it was it was good, um,
0: and Rob just reminded me. He said he'd, he's happy to fight uh, Holloway a third time because, candidly, if Holloway probably. How deserves how many guys any would fun. do that.
1: Holloway does deserve None. it, but how many guys yeah. would? would risk themselves like that because holloway (laughs) man oh man i mean you see this paper you see how thin this paper is that's how thin (laughs) the difference is between him and holloway when they fight oh for Uh, sure you know so there's no space there's no there's there's a fit right into the space that separates those two so to take a chance and fight that guy a lot of guys would say i beat him twice you know, even yep. though even though I thought Holloway, it would have been completely won,
0: justified.
1: I thought Holloway won. Um, I think it was the last one. I thought Holiday did, but take nothing away from either one of them. We love both. Holloway's been on our show. We love them yep. both. We appreciate yep. them both. We admire them uh, both to the to the highest places. But uh, I I I think Holloway does deserve it, and I I give credit again to Volkanowski for being willing to give it to him. Because that just again that just validates all the accolades and kudos that were thrown at these guys and and him that he's willing he's willing to go and fight the best. He's willing again yeah. what he could get out of it. He's willing to just say no. Just like you talked about Burns, you know world to fight this monster that was coming up that we didn't know how good he was, you know he was scary good from what we had seen in Shemayev and same thing, same thing, but that is consistent with these special guys that is that to have that attitude, that warrior's mentality that yeah I'll find him
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll
1: yeah I'll find him you know and um
0: it's just so it's so refreshing to see that and then in some way to have some connectivity to have had them on the show i just came away from that even as we're talking about it now it gives you just a good feeling of being associated with good people like even even if the decision hadn't gone their way you're just like man that guy he's a good guy he's been on the show he just goes out there and does his job Win, lose, or draw. Just do your job. They show up. They put it on the line. Man, can, it's just such a noble said, profession.
1: That's something that's lost today. Sometimes I think it is. Sometimes that could be the greatest compliment in the world. Just do your job. You know what I mean? I might add one word, but it's okay. Do your freaking <laughs> do your freaking job. You know. But but that but but again, that 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 speaks to it. That that's really go do your job. You know what I mean? Stop with the excuses. You know what I mean? Stop with the alibis. Stop with all this nonsense, please. We got enough problems in this world. We got enough stuff swirling around. You haven't noticed? (laughs) Just do your freaking (laughs) job. God. Yeah,
0: well... That was uh, congratulations to Alex. Awesome. Look forward to speaking with him again. But let's jump over to Japan early Saturday morning. We were both up right and early to see uh, Triple G in action. One of my favorite fighters in the world. I love this guy. And uh, early on... I thought, and, you know, uh, as always, we, we never talk about the fights before we get on here. So I'm curious to hear what you think about how, how Triple G looked early on. He was over there with uh, with our friend Chris Camacho, the great strength and conditioning coach. But um, I thought Triple G looked almost too easy to hit early in that fight. He didn't, Not almost. He, he, didn't he was. As, he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was getting hit a lot. And the only thing I the could Only problem.
1: From- the only thing good for him in the end was the other guy was even easier to hit.
0: <laughs> and and couldn't absorb him the way Triple G could but the only thing I could think and look, he's been off he's been in camp three times he's been off for over a year he's been through you know, trials and tribulations um, just trying to get a fight scheduled and um yeah, he was getting cracked early, and all I could think was, man, if he takes these early shots against Canelo, I don't know that he, like, absorbs them the way he's doing Murata. Not that Murata can't crack, but once Triple G did start to turn the pressure, the minute the momentum shifted to Triple G, it was just like a one-way ticket downhill, a rock-rolling downhill. He just started pouring it on. My God, he was just giving him. Shots from everywhere, and Murata ate a lot of them. And then he, Triple G is just such a classy guy. Afterwards, he gave him the beautiful robe that he wears, the Kazakhstan robe, and um, went into the locker room, take pictures. Do he's just a good guy, I think you know. And so, so, so when people give him crap about the whole Canelo thing, I think he was genuinely offended with the uh, with the PED allegations, and then the fact that Canelo was trying to turn like gaslight Triple G, like how dare you say I. I did drugs, like dude. You got suspended for using drugs and upended the whole fight. Like, of course I'm mad. Don't be mad no, at me. No, if of course I'm was,
1: mad. No, 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 no. Cal- calm down, Ken. He was eating whoppers <laughs> in in a burger <laughs> joint in Mexico. Um, yeah it's just it's just crazy
0: that then i don't know i
1: mean and you heard about these whoppers that that sometimes (laughs) they they call the super sauce they got the super sauce
0: the clenbuterol burger but it's just funny that he's like you know he make canelo and i like canelo too but it's he tries to make triple g the bad guy for being upset that the guy was using drugs like come on dude it like if if you think, if you weren't doing drugs, prove it in court, but the drug test says you were doing drugs and you're the golden goose. If you weren't doing that, there's no way that anyone would even mention it if it wasn't dead. Anyway, I digress. But, uh, Triple G, like I said, once he got his engine revving, maybe in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, he started to look really good. Maybe a bit uh, flashes of the old Triple G. But I'm curious to see, uh, I'm curious to hear what you thought and uh, what you think about a potential um, Canelo rematch number three.
1: All right. Let's take one thing at a time, please. Um, (laughs) Throwing a lot of stuff at me, Mr. Right. right
0: (laughs) I get get excited.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's good. That's good. We need enthusiasm. Enthusiasm very important enthusiasm enthusiasm that's what uh, robert de niro said when uh in the untouchables uh when he was playing a guy named capone you know enthusiasm <laughs> very important team team play very important individualism no good no good so and i know a lot of people that there's too much individualism we don't have that um I thought that early was interesting. The first round, Triple G came out there and he won the first round not always in a typical Triple G engaging, go and get you kind of way, you know, seek and destroy kind of way. He did it a little bit like he did the second Canelo fight. Well, I thought he won both fights. I think everyone knows that. I thought he won, and differently. The first fight, I thought he beat Canelo going and getting him. And the second one, I thought he beat him using his jab. And that, in some ways, might have been sort of a, a testament to his, uh, maybe an acknowledgement that he is 40 now, That that in, that he wanted to come out and use his jab more as he did after the first Canelo fight, in the second fight, where he was a little older, he used a jab much more, much more. Well, he did that in the first round, but it didn't last long, but he won, he won the first round that way. Then, Murata, the very game Murata, went and attacked him, and he put a lot of pressure on him, he, he went to the body, he wound up hurting Triple G to the body, he went to the body, he was throwing a lot of punches, And it really did look like for a moment there that Triple G was in a hell of a lot of trouble. It didn't look like he was. He got himself out of it, but he was in a lot of trouble. It almost looked like he was going to be dominated if something didn't change. And then something changed. He landed a big punch. But to his credit, Triple G, early it did look like what the old timers would say, where the guy gets old one night. He just gets old. It looked that way. But I'm going to throw in a little bit of something. Not an excuse, but I think it's a fair thing to throw in there. And it's to your point, Ken. Where, see, I listen when you talk. Where you talked about early on, where he was having trouble. How much of that maybe is 40? He's 40 years old. But how much of it is that he was off for 14 months? You know, and I know Murata was off for even longer, but Murata's is a little younger. But Triple G, maybe it took a little while to get the engine running, to get, you know, to get out, to get into gear, um, and it looked that way. His breathing. looked And also, belay- don't
0: forget. He- he was only over there for, I think, seven to eight days prior. And I would argue that you probably need a day per hour of time difference. And he was close to, like, probably 20 hour time difference from where he was coming. He was fighting the equivalent of early Saturday morning when he, he I, don't, I don't think he went over there long enough personally, but who am I? No, but, I mean, listen, so and, and I think if
1: that's the especially case. If you for an older guy. It. And if that's the case, he overcame it, uh, which is what great fighters do. Yep. And I agree. I thought I would have wanted him to be there longer. But at the end of the day, nobody cares. He won. And that's all that matters. But I would say that that's fair to say that maybe the 14 months off, not 14 months, year and four months, I'm sorry, a year and 14 months off. 16 um, months. Yeah, 16 months. That that had a little to do with it. Um. Also, Morada just jumped on him, got on him, uh, didn't give him a chance to acclimate, if you will, to being back in the ring uh, after sixteen months, after you know, after a year and four months. So, I think that was all there at play. But his experience, his heart, the great heart that champions have, that hasn't gone away. I mean. Maybe some of his skills have been diminished. Um, but it reminded me earlier of the thrill in Manila, Ali Frazier. And I'll tell you why, Ken. Because in that fight, you had two older fighters, two fighters that had a lot of miles on the old dominant, put it that way. Uh, that definitely, if you're going to be honest about it, they were diminished physically. They were diminished. They weren't as good. Their skills weren't as good as they used to be. But one thing that wasn't diminished, their championship heart, their character. the character wasn't diminished. And that's what made for a great fight because they were easier to hit, and that happens with fighters that are past their prime. They're easier to hit, and it becomes a great fight because the one thing that is still strong is their will and their character. That, doesn't, that didn't get old. And I saw some of that. I thought, where at that moment where it looked like he got old, it looked like he was diminished, but the championship hard of Triple G was still there. And he found a way. And he got himself into gear. And early on, it looked like his breathing, physically, everything was belabored a little bit. And maybe for all the reasons I just said, that, you know, that the car had been sitting in the garage too long and it was going to take a while before the oil got circulating through the cylinders. You know what I mean? And you could almost yep. see it. You could almost see it where, okay, the oil is starting to circulate in the cylinders a little bit now, you know, and and, he's, and, and the gears are changing. <laughs> now he's changing <laughs> the gears. And I'm watching and that's how I'm seeing it. And once those gears started changing, Murata was was in a lot of trouble. Uh, but for the first five rounds, I think it was five, four or five rounds, whatever it was, I'll tell you, it looked like the guy in trouble was Triple G. It, it, again, it looked like he was going to be dominated for a second there. And anyone who disagrees, I don't know what you're watching. You know, take a cold, you know, take a cold hand towel and wipe your eyes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and take a take another glance at it uh he got to where he needed to get to he got the he got the cylinders going he, he they started they started hitting and he got a rhythm he got he started using not just his toughness his experience his great experience timing shots throwing the right shots, selecting the right shots at the right time. One thing that he did was He noticed that Murata had the earmuffs on. That's what I call it. And the peekaboo. Had the hands up and he's not moving his head. So he started aiming the punches behind the gloves. Where it would land behind the ear of Murata. It's very smart. Experience. That's what he showed me. He started placing the punches in the right place. Where the opening was instead of where the opening wasn't. And he found the opening. And then he went to the body. And listen, Murata did an unbelievable job hurting him to the body, hurting Triple G to unbelievable. And But then Triple G, you know, he returned the favor. And <laughs> and he started putting water in the basement. And like I said, he's, he's using his experience, his guile, not just his physicality, to place punches. But here's the whole fight, Ken, at the end of the day for me. And nobody just got to the point with this but I will, and I said it at the top of this, and I'll say it now and explain it in depth. Morano's just too damn easy to hit. Somebody need to teach that, that boy. Uh, you gotta move your head once in a while. That, it reminded me when I was a, like an 18-year-old kid with Cus and I was still fighting at the time, and, and I'm, I'm sparring, and I'm in the gym sparring, and Cuz says to me, hey, Alice! If you don't move your head, he will move it for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He has been moving it for me the last few hours. You're, you're right about that, cuz. Maybe I'll start moving it. So that's exactly what I thought when I saw this fight. Hey, Murata, we love you. You're a game son of a gun. You're a real fighter, a real champion heart. But if you don't move your head, Triple G is going to move it for you. And he moved it for him. <laughs> and and (laughs) i'd say you know and he was just too predictable too one-dimensional triple g had little other dimensions and again just too damn easy to hit and he he broke him down and at the end i always talk about science the sweet science it always shows up somewhere in the end, yeah, he was this, he was that. Triple G was better in this area, that area, uh, perseverance area, all of that. But the sweet science, the experience, the, the the cerebralness of it, the last punch that ended the fight, he just, it, w- it was the perfect punch because it was calm enough and he was smart enough to know that. Where... Murata broke one of the golden rules I always talk about. And it still gets me nuts that trainers don't teach this and that their fighters still make this mistake sometimes. But you should never lead with a left hook in front of your opponent. Because if the guy times you a right hand, guess what? The right hand's getting there first because it's straight. Straight line beats a round line. You should have learned that in geometry class somewhere in school. And... That's what happened. That's why the commentators never said that. They just said, you know, it was obvious. He caught him a hell of a right hand, and, and he, you know, the towel got thrown in, rightfully so, because he was really hurt. But he hit on that right hand perfect because he noticed that Murata was starting to throw a left hook in front. So he beat him with the right hand. He timed it with the right hand. That's what he did, and that's why He's, you know, he's got all the belts that he's got from Murata himself now, and that's why he won the fight. And the last thing I add to it in the last round, I was also thinking. I wonder if you will Ken, but after the way Triple G dominated, it was the ninth round, I believe. After the way he dominated the first half of the round, I mean, just just you know, hit him from from you know, pull from one side of the ring to the other. And the way he was dominating, and then all of a sudden, Morata came back. And Morata was coming back like he was going to completely turn this around. Like he, he came back from, you know, he, he really came back from the edge of hell. And he comes <laughs> back, and he starts pummeling Triple G. And I was starting to think, oh, my God, is this going to be a, a replay? Of Gaddy Ward that first fight the ninth round is this gonna be like a replay of that are they gonna mimic that round and it looked like it and then the right hand again the that the perfect right hand while he was leading with a left hook in front that that just stopped the music I mean that stopped the music like you know somebody pulled the cord out of the plug you know and and that was it. And at the end of the day, I know the questions the fans have for me out there. What about, what about Canelo now? What about Canelo now? Listen, I give Triple G all the credit his team. He was ready. Uh, at the end, he got done what had to be done. But let's always put this in proper perspective. He beat a guy, very game guy, champion, gold medalist from the Olympics. I caught his fights in Olympic for NBC. But... He beat a guy that he was supposed to beat. Other than, other than a question mark hovering over this fight of what Triple G would have left, what Triple G would show up, which one would show up? You know, uh, we never saw a forty-year-old Triple G before, never. So who would get in that ring? Other than that being a question mark, and a, you know, uh, the one thing that w- was, if you want the X factor he's supposed to beat the guy and probably supposed to stop him. Triple G of old is supposed to stop him. That's it's funny, it's a play on words because it was the Triple G of old. But, but not the old I'm talking about, of old before he got old. He's supposed to stop him. But we didn't know, again, what, you know, which one we were going to get in Triple G. Uh, and... It gave a scare. The the uh, the addition that we got early, maybe for the reasons I pointed out, whatever. You got a real scare. But in the end, Triple G was a class above. Triple G still has something. What does he have? To what level does he have? With a guy who's a little different than Murata, a lot different than Murata. You know, a guy that's not as easy to hit a guy who hits harder, you know, a guy who's who's playing now on uh, just on a special level, you know, who's ultimately confident. He's at his prime. What will Triple G, this Triple G, that's the question, the million-dollar question, what will this Triple G do now that he's older, we got a sampling of that. He's he's older. Uh, he's, he, again, he's he's put plenty of miles on that old he, he Yeah, and a lot of those miles were from those two Canelo fights. But, yeah, he's, he got done the job. And, yeah, I applaud him, especially at 40 years of age. for And I think I laid it out good in the analysis of the fight, all the things he did. But you can't escape a couple of facts. He's 40 years old. Early on, he did struggle. Maybe f- because he didn't have enough time to acclimate. Maybe because he'd been off for a year and four months, you know, or maybe because he's 40. Or maybe a combination of all those things. But whatever. Early on and late, he's going to have. A hell of a job on his hands. He's going to have a handful with this version of Canelo now. Uh, a Canelo that believes he'll beat Triple G. I'm not so sure Canelo was as sure the first time he met him. But he is now. He he, he probably believes that he'll dominate him. Um, and another X Factor. I can't believe that Canelo will ever fight him at 160 pounds. Not this Canelo. This Canelo is a chiseled body That for whatever reasons, because he's lifting weights, whatever. (laughs) This guy is a a slab of concrete. This guy is a thick, light heavyweight now. He ain't coming back down to 160 without hurting himself. So Triple G, and he's still the golden goose. So Triple G will have to go up, I would guess, at least to 168 to make this fight happen. And so you got that against them too. Um, I think, and again, I know the fans wanted to hear it. and I know they don't like what they hear in some of them. I get it. You know, let me ask you a question, you you great, great fans, right? Um, do you, You're a fan, you're a fanatic, right? That's the short, uh, fan is short for fanatic. You're a fanatic. You love your guy, right? your team, your guy, whatever it is. But does it mean that you can't sometimes look at logic. Does it also mean that that if somebody's saying something logical to you, even though it's against your guy, not against them, but it's pointing out something related to your guy, okay? Is logic not allowed? Is that in the rule book of being a fan? That logic is not allowed. I think it is in a rule book. You got to look that up for me, Ken. That logic is not allowed into play when it comes to being a fan. It's not. It's not allowed in the arena. It's not allowed in the room. It's not allowed in the thought process. So I just think that logically Cannell is going to be a favorite. There's a reason why he's going to be a fa- I love Triple G. And he was on. We just did a great interview with him. Uh, that's up there if people want to see it. And I was very happy he won this fight. And Fred Sternberg, his PR man, did a great job. Camacho, his strength coach, did a great job. They all did. They all did. Um, all of them. Jonathan Banks, great job. Everybody. Couldn't, uh, but this is... I'd be concerned about him fighting. And look... I know it's a huge payday. I also know that he earned it. But I also know that, thank God, he doesn't need it. I'm not saying anybody can use a lot of extra money, but he's made a lot of money, Triple G. Oh, Rightfully yeah. so. Oh, a lot of money. So he doesn't need it. He needs it for other reasons. For his own personal legacy, his redemption, he thinks, maybe. Maybe. To get it right after he was wronged. And I think he was wronged. But to make it right, and it's the only way to make it right, I, you know, he doesn't need it for his legacy. His legacy is cemented. It's great. It's tremendous. But I just think that is it worth the risk? And I guess it is. Because at the end of the day, no matter how long or how short you live, no matter how long or short, you want to live the life that you wanted, that you controlled. That was the life of your choice. That you took the risk you wanted. You did the things you wanted to do to be comfortable with that life. When it starts to come down that road. That everyone's life comes down that final road. That you want to know you did everything you wanted to do the way you wanted to do it. And if this is what he wants to do, he deserves the opportunity to do that. I don't take that away from him. I get it. I'm just saying, if I was a betting man, I would... um. I would say that everything seems to really favor Canelo for all the reasons I just pointed out uh, in this in this trilogy fight, if it
0: happens. Yep, I'm with you. I I I would almost he is the Canelo is the golden goose, but I would almost insist on a lower weight, if to the extent that. Triple G could get him to agree to that, but like you said, I mean, he's going up to fight uh, vol. if he wins that, he's probably got his sights on uh, Better Biev, or whatever the case may be, why I don't see him coming back down, certainly below 168, I just, not only do I don't think he's motivated, it doesn't even seem feasible that he could take 15 pounds of muscle off, to your point, he's like a brick shithouse at that weight, he's not like, there's nothing extra there. Um but with that being said, we could talk about this topic all day long. Let's do some quick hits because there were some other topics and some other fights that we want to cover. None of them deserve the coverage that we just gave to the UFC. And um, oh, I want to say one other thing G. before
1: we move yeah, on. The only course. thing greater, and you touched on it, but I want to touch on it real quick. The only thing greater than Triple G's performance uh, in the ring in the end was again his magnificent class uh, and character uh, in in what he did, you know. Uh, both of them great class, both fighters. But we're talking about Triple G and going and giving him his robe, and then visiting his locker room, which we saw in video later. Visiting his locker room, knocking on the door, and going in there and handing the belt that he won in the ring, giving it back to Murata. Now now so people understand because you know, I do know how that works, uh Triple G will get a lot of people thought, Oh my god, he gave him the he gave him his belt. You know, yeah, but he'll get it back because he'll get uh he'll get his own belt. He he gave that to him and and he'll have it. But the organization will send another belt to Triple G. But still, I I just wanna make sure if you're gonna say something uh, say it with all the facts so people understand something they might not have understood and they wouldn't have a reason to understand they're not in that part of the business. But, again, to his credit, to knock on the door and come there humbly, the way he came there and just say, you know, here, Murata, uh, this is your bell for life. That was that was magnificent. That was just every bit, for me, as magnificent as as the straight right hand that he threw at the end they'd the end the fight. Uh
0: and when he went in there, Murata still had the robe on, the uh, the triple G robe that he gave him. And for for those who don't understand, when you when you're the champion, you get your own belt with your picture on the belt. And when you and when you fight a challenger, that belt comes to the ring. If the if the new champion, if you lose, the new guy gets to hold the belt in the ring and walk out of the ring with it, and then they give it back to you. And then the organization, to your point, Teddy, will send the new champion a new belt with his picture on it, customized for that champion, typically with the name and everything engraved. So just so everyone's on the same page, when you win a belt, it's yours forever. I think in the UFC, they may actually give you a different one every time you win. I think you have multiples, and then they change the, I think every time you defend your title, they put a ruby around the outside of the uh, belt. If you can see the picture of um, Alex behind me, there's a couple red rubies on there every time you get a title defense. And Ken's museum,
1: behind them, that's Ken's (laughs) museum, by the way. Uh, The the Louvre has nothing over Ken Rideau. Um, really, really. I mean, you don't have to go to France. Really, you 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 uh, you go right there to uh, Tennessee, and you could, you know, if he's gracious <laughs> enough to allow you in, uh, you can see that. And I'd like to add one other thing. I know everybody, for the most part, uh, want to see Triple G and and Canelo again. I think it's too late for it to see really what you want to see. But okay, I get it. Um, But for me, if I had my druthers, this might disappoint some people. But I, I live in the real world of what I think is the real world, at least. You know, and what I think would be at this point a more interesting maybe fight. Although that fight would be interesting. Don't get me wrong. Triple G and Canelo tree. But for me now, I'd like to see Canelo and Benavides, And I'd like to see Triple G and Charlo
0: oh Triple that, G and is a fight that yeah, I could get excited that, about
1: yeah Ken that's what for me that's what I would like to see but I'm with you, you. I won't close my eyes though if there's a Triple G <laughs> uh Canelo three
0: yep all right Rob if we can get some time on the clock here if you're ready and we'll do some uh we got three round, three quick hitter rounds and uh well, well, we're going to do the um, Ryan Garcia versus Tago. Uh, we're going to do Sebastian Fandora and Erickson Lubin. And then we'll finish it off with Tisha Torres and uh, Mackenzie Dern from the UFC.
1: Can I get my other second? I mean, I you know, nothing, nothing. I don't complain much.
0: <laughs> Rob's tr- you know what I mean, Ken? <laughs> Rob's trying to shortchange him here. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't, I you know, I don't like to complain and be trifled. But I, I'd like to have my full three,
0: yep. you know. Like, all right, play, yeah. all right, and with that, here, let me set it up for you. So, Ryan Garcia in action after a long layoff against the Ghana, the fighter from Ghana, Emmanuel Tagot. Um, I think until maybe his only second time fighting out of Ghana, and it looked like at times it reminded me of the scene from Rocky where Rocky's trying to catch the chicken. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to Tago, but it looked like they were just. Maybe he thought there was a bonus for surviving the fight, and you know Ryan was trying to go get him. In all honesty, he probably should get a guy like that out of there. It was just a terrible fight. I love Ryan Garcia, but my God, no one wants to see this anymore. Either step up and fight someone who's really good, or I don't know what else. But these no one's here for this, which is why we're gonna make it a quick three-minute segment versus giving it the whole breakdown because. I just gave you the breakdown. One guy chasing another guy and trying to hit him with bombs and then one guy trying to run away for his life. How'd you like it?
1: You know, I'm going to jump on your... I didn't know I was going to do this, but that's okay. That's where you got to prove yourself. You got to be ready to adjust on the fly, in the ring or outside the ring, or as a commentator or as an analyst. analyst, uh, analyst. Um, I'm going to jump on that, that Balboa reference from the first Rocky, where when he was fighting him the first time he was fighting Creed, there was a moment where Balboa realized that he wasn't respected. He wasn't significant. He was just a prop. He was a prop for the champ. He was a prop for the champ to go get rid of him, play with him, do whatever he wanted to do with him, and and take his bows under the light when it was over. That's exactly what this fight was. and felt. And it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. It felt no. like that. That's exactly what Togo was. He was a prop. He was a prop for the Golden Boy, the new Golden Boy, you know, uh, for for the Chosen One, uh, the Anointed One, if you will. And I don't mean to be harsh on Garcia, but uh, but I'm being honest. He's a talented kid. I know it. Um, he's proven himself as a fighter before getting off the floor, you know, with the character that he did against Campbell. The the really the the biggest step up that he's had in his career so far. But this fight, it was like a it was it was just a showcase and it got disturbing after a while. It did. It got it got a little uncomfortable to watch after a while because there was no respect for Togo. And and I understand it. I mean, he didn't want to fight to go. He he was trying to survive. He just wanna and I know it's hard to look good against those guys, and it's hard to knock out those guys when they don't try and they don't give you a chance in that kind of way by exchanging with you. But still, still they chose the guy. They chose the guy, and they chose him because, again, it was supposed to be a guy that was going to deliver, de- deliver what they wanted, which was a sensational knockout where they could take their bows. and it got to the point where it was difficult to watch because he didn't have any respect, not that he needed to at that point, but Garcia was jumping in at the end he was launching himself to get a knockout and I was watching I was saying he's developing bad habits I mean this is not good and and if Tagu would just throw something he might surprise everyone and hit him on the kisser and drop him I mean that's how reckless and sloppy Garcia was getting just to get what he thought he was supposed to get just like you know creed thought apollo thought he was gonna get the first one and he didn't get it he was jumping in there i mean even the form on his right hands he was cuffing he was slapping with some of those right hands because he was trying to get him in there so fast to score the knockout the integrity of his of everything of his plan of his fight plan of his technique the integrity of that went out the window. He was just launching himself to get a knockout. Uh, it, it, it looked like it was supposed to be a setup almost. And it, it, it was a, I thought it was terrible. It was an awful fight to watch. It was an awful fight to televise. And at the end of the day, instead of taking his bowels, I think the opposite happened. I think it probably hurt the stock of
0: 100%. I was going to say, one, let's talk about one guy whose stock went down with a win, and now let's talk about a guy whose stock went through the roof, in my opinion, and that's Sebastian Fundora. 6'5 and a half, 153 pounds. Incredibly awkward opponent for anyone getting in there with him, and he looked great against Erickson. Lubin stops him in between the, at the end of the ninth round. Um, Lubin's corner waves it off. Man, I, I was so happy for Fundora. I I've been, I've been high on this kid since the beginning and he's just like seems so lanky and awkward but man he's putting it together and developing nicely. I I really like watching him fight. He's a, He seems like a nice kid in the interviews afterwards from Coachella out in that like Mexican American heritage out there in the uh, California desert. Um, how'd you like him? What'd you think?
1: I'd like to get my second, so it's three minutes. But that's okay. I'll go one second because I took extra seconds. I see what Rob's trying to do. I got you. I took a couple of extra seconds. Okay. All right. Let's go. I, I think that, first of all, after suffering through the Garcia, you know, uh, the Garcia fight uh, with Tago, this felt like they gave you something back, like a trio. You know what I mean, like like getting yep. a Twinkie or a ring ding. You know those those kind of. <laughs> you know I, I I felt like that, and I was appreciative of it. I was, and the first thing that I tweeted, and this was watching it taped. So, I, but I didn't know what happened. I was watching it live to tape, so to speak. But I was very honest. I told the people out there who were looking at my good enough to look at my tweets that I really was upset I didn't see it live, and I'll tell you why. Because at one point, I tweeted that Fondora is just too easy to hit. He stands straight up, and you know what? Yeah, he's having his way. Yeah, he's winning the fight. He might even be dominating. He already had Lubin on the floor. But if Lubin could figure out for a minute how to get away from the uppercuts, which he was getting killed by, if he could figure out for a minute and move his hands, he's, he's going to test this guy. He's going to really test... This Fandora, and sure enough, twenty seconds later, bang! He he moved his hands. He had him on the floor, and he tested him. And Fandora showed what the old timers would say—the makings of a champion as far as character and heart. He got off the floor. But I'm telling you, another thing I tweeted early on, Ken, was I don't care how successful, how many wins he runs up against this level of competition at different levels of uh, at this level uh, of competition I don't care how many wins he runs up I think that he needs to fight tall I, that's just how I feel. If he's truly gonna be successful to the point that they want him to be successful, I I know that he's unusual and and he he gets your attention. He's six foot six, whatever he is. It's it's amazing. He's a skyscraper. They call him the skyscraper. You know, he goes in there and he finds a way to throw the right punches, even though he's got long arms on the inside, where normally you see guys with short arms working well on the inside. He does, and he's got the hard. And he and he and he's fan-friendly, as you said. He goes after you, he fi- but he should fight tall. He's not the only way to use those physical assets, really the right way. And I think to get up, to really get up the ladder to the higher rungs of the ladder in this tough business is to use your assets the right way. Learn to fight tall on the outside. But I think that he's gonna get knocked out. I think when he fights Charlo or whoever's coming next. That you're going to see because he's, as I said earlier in the show, he is just, I said it about, you know, I said it about the, the Korean zombie. I said it about Murata. He's too easy to hit. He's too easy. He's a skyscraper. But when he gets inside, here's the problem with the skyscraper. There's a, there's a lot of windows there in a skyscraper. And when you stand straight up in boxing and you're a skyscraper, there's a lot of windows to get broken. And he got a couple windows broken the other night. He better think about that in his next step. But I, 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 I back you in the way that I, I like the kid. I love his tenacity. I love his heart. Uh, he brings it. But I, I think there's a, I think there's a some bad weather in his future. <laughs>
0: Well, the good news is he's twenty four years old. He seems to be improving. I've seen him improve. Um the kid he fought Lubin Lubin's Lubin um knocked out Jason Rosario who beat J Rock Williams. uh his only loss prior to last prior to the weekend, Lubin, was he did get knocked out by Jamel Charlo. Um so who knows? Let's see. I- I'd love to but see. But let me
1: say one thing about Lubin. Yeah. He showed all the heart in the world. I loved it and and here's an interesting thing Uh, i'd like to ask the fans this i'd like to ask you this Uh, when his when the corner stopped it i thought fandoro was ahead he wasn't it turned out that the judges had lubin ahead all three of them by two points i was shocked i really was maybe i'm wrong but i was shocked i know they each had a 10-8 round but i i i thought that fandoro was ahead but at the end of the day,
0: they did. All three judges had had, um, Lumen, I had yeah. 75, ahead seventy five, seventy seven, seventy five, seventy
1: six, yeah, like seventy four twice. Yeah, oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah, I know. That's why I'm bringing it out because I don't know if the fans will. So I was kind of. It was like, yeah, they should stop it. He can't win anyway. He's getting beat up. He's getting, you know, he's getting hurt. All that stuff. And then I see that, and I say, wait a minute. I want them to. I wonder if his corner would have still stopped it if they knew that he was actually ahead. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. So. I don't know. Maybe they would have if because you know, at the end you know of the day... Up, if you know yeah, you're but, up
0: two with three rounds to go, you just I know, like, please, I know. please stay away from it. I know, Ron. but
1: at the end of the day, Ken, really if he did it for the right reasons to court and I'm going to say he did yeah, um, I'm going to say he did too. I, I don't know differently I agree I, with he, you it's the right thing because all you're supposed to care about is the welfare of your fighter and if you think that's in jeopardy that he's getting hit too much just like Eddie Futch in the 14th round stopped Joe Frazier in that fight in the 14th when there was only one more round against Ali uh, in that fight uh, I think what the drill in Manila so the only thing you're supposed to really be influenced by is is your fighter in jeopardy of being hurt, and and that's it. So I give him kudos for doing that for that reason. But uh, again, uh, I I just thought that it was very, uh, it was it was just very interesting uh, when you when you saw that and. You know what it reminded his face. He was so busted up. So just on that, I I I think the ref, uh, the corner did the right thing. But he was so busted up, Lubin Ken, his face where it reminded yeah. me of Meldrick Taylor against Chavez in the in the fifteenth round, where the referee wound up stopping it. But that's what he looked like. He looked like Meldrick yeah. Taylor. In that fight. Like
0: that weird like thing between his eyes, right? That's huge hematoma right in the middle yeah. of his forehead. Yeah, he was. It's very he, odd. I mean, he was. Banged right. on,
1: and he got hit so many uppercuts, my goodness. Oh, uh, God. Somebody's got to teach him to get away from an uppercut, you know, if he's going to, obviously, if he's going to continue. And, and one last thing, just to give all the information to the fans out there Lubin was a top prospect. Uh, when he turned pro, he was young. He he was uh, he had a chance to go on the Olympic team. He for he, he that to turn pro early. Obviously, he was one of the top amateurs in the country, and um, he didn't quite. He obviously didn't quite perform. He was uh, when they signed him at the beginning. Uh, he he was supposed to be you know he was supposed to be. Uh, uh definite, almost a short sure thing to be a world champion, even though there's never a short sure thing to that. That that's too tricky a road. But too yeah. many potholes on that road. But he uh he he obviously didn't get to the place that people thought he was gonna get to when he turned pro from the amateurs.
0: Yep. All right, last one. Let's get three minutes. Mackenzie Dern gets a split decision. Razor-thin victory over Tisha Torres. The always steady, always tough Tisha Torres. Man, these girls are so tough. I just, I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but I'm always just so surprised to see from where they've come over the last, let's say, five or 10 years to where they are now. It's just like, man, the the, the, the technique, the punch in the box in the hands, the, the the groundwork is always good. But wow, they looked great. And um that's a tough fight how'd you like that one
1: all right this is what I want before I start I because I stole a couple I stole a couple minutes here and there so I want to show the fans I'm fair I'm fair and and I I try to you know I try to do the right thing I'm gonna give back I don't think I stole that much but I'm gonna give back two minutes two minutes I only want one minute to handle this one one minute. Okay, I just want to wanna be fair. Oh, he doesn't even give me a minute. He gives me 59 <laughs> seconds. All right, that's fair. That's fair. And by the way, before I start, please, all right? I know you people are great, but there's a couple out there that can be a little silly. A little silly. Uh, don't tell me I didn't give the woman enough time. Please, please don't do that to me. Don't do that to yourselves. Because if you do, you know what I'm going to say? Like the great comedian, Sebastian Manacusco. Right, (laughs) Ken? I'm going to say, aren't you embarrassed? Aren't you embarrassed to behave that way? So, all right. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Ding! Ring that bell, baby. Go for it. All right. I want to see it moving. It's not moving. There There it goes. goes. Mm All right. Listen, Taurus... Torres had to work really hard to survive being submitted on the mat uh, by Dern, you know, in the first two rounds. I mean, Dern, Dern was superior over there. And, um, and I got to give Torres—Dern, of course, won it. I give all the credit in the world. Um, and these women are special. They are so tough, and they are special. But I have to give credit to Torres with her gallant comeback in the third round. You know, it, it was, um, she really, she did a she did a remarkable job surviving, you know, escaping, doing what she had to do those first two rounds in the wrong environment, the wrong in geography for herself. But at the end, she, she made a gallant, gallant drive down the stretch uh, to come back in that third round. And it turned out a little too little, too late, uh, but a real tough fight uh applaud my just bravo uh to both women uh my respect to them both
0: Yep, that was uh well teddy we got a lot in this week um next we'll be back with you guys next monday actually we got a uh, special interview hopefully coming up now with jake paul that will be coming up we'll post you guys on social media when that will be available and the next time we talk teddy will be from um from Boston on Monday, right after the race. As soon as I finish the race, I'm going to come back to the room and get right back, right online and we'll, uh, we'll get an episode um, recorded for the fans like we do every week. And um, thanks for doing this today, Teddy. It was great to see you. Thanks for being up all day on Saturday from uh, sunup to sundown, <laughs> almost from sunup to sunup the next day.
1: Yeah, just about. And uh, good <laughs> luck. Good luck with that race. Bring, bring home the bacon, as uh, yes they used to say
0: uh that's it all right guys thanks for being with us do me a favor hit the like and subscribe button on youtube keep it going the numbers keep going up we're happy to do it every week and um we'll 240, 000,
1: 240 000 subscribers and we jumped there quick the day before we were at 239 literally like 10 hours earlier and then over the weekend with everything uh boom it jumped in, in nine hours, ten hours, one day. It jumped from two thirty nine, which is extraordinary, to two hundred forty thousand subscribers. Keep going, just please keep going, keep going.
0: Although all that, all that, uh, all that tweeting Saturday was driving the traffic. One more thing, if you if you want to help us at the show, subscribe to Athletic Greens, AthleticGreens dot com. Use the promo code Atlas to get ten free travel packs with your first pur- with your first purchase. I'd hit the subscription. That's what I do. I get it every month, take it every day. With that, we'll be back with you guys next week. Thanks for being with us.